Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening, David. Yes. How you doing? I'm doing I'm I'm doing great. Uh it's a it's a beautiful day here in Los Angeles. Not quite as beautiful as the weather is in San Diego right now, which I looked up uh today and um felt all the more sad that I'm not in <laughs> San Diego. That's where we would be as uh as would our guests right now under normal circumstances. We'll get to the guests in a minute. I want to uh say a quick thank you to uh, Adam McGoyan for mm-hmm. being on the podcast last week. That was a, a, a lot of fun. Um, and I want to tell you about tweakedaudio.com. Tweakedaudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. Uh, today, uh, I normally see what music I was listening to. Today, I was walking the dog listening to Metallica. That's pretty much uh, running the mill for me. But I've also been using my tweakedaudio.com earbuds a lot uh, to watch uh, Comic-Con at Home YouTube videos. And we'll get more into that next week when we wrap up comic-con 2020 uh, as it exists but uh for now sounds great at my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low low price at tweakedaudio.com but if you use the offer code pretension at checkout you get one third off that low low price and no shipping charges so please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code pretension okay it's time to commit 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself begin your new smile journey with bite and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Okay. Our, <laughs> our guests, uh, this is one, one of the silver linings of uh, quarantine times is we've been able to have people on who don't live in Los Angeles. Normally, we only record uh, in person. Uh, and so now we get to be, I get, we get to be with the people that I would be spending the weekend with uh, right now. Normally, my, uh, my, my San Diego Comic-Con mainstays going back to 2010 in the case of one Ryan Gallagher. How's it going, everyone? And going back to 2012, I believe, in the case of one Kate Kolzik. Hey, guys. How are you guys doing? How are you guys surviving this uh, conless weekend? Well, I just legit got thrilled when I realized, oh, this isn't like official Battleship Pretension episode. I think this means that I've been on the podcast now. Yeah, you are officially a friend of the show. Yeah, with an asterisk. Well, of course, because it's not a person. It doesn't count, obviously. But I was like, it didn't, it didn't occur to me that that was a thing. That that, you know, so yay, quarantine coronavirus, most people are dying. <laughs> um, so, you know, all things considered, things are going well. But yeah, we would we would be having some some margaritas right now in person in San Diego if yeah. it's a normal weekend. I've been trying to like just... You know, I, I was doing okay with it. And then all week, Facebook has been going, here's a memory from four years yeah. ago. I'm like, uh. oh my God, <laughs> stop. Why are you doing this every day? Yeah. Yeah, same. I mean, I have been trying to pay attention to what's going on at Comic-Con at home thing. Uh, but I, you know, right to Saturday would have been the crazy day when everyone was in Hall H all day because of the Marvel panel, whatever. Um, and now none of that is happening. And it's yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I guess I, I don't really miss, 
<laughs> Hall H. I haven't been into Hall H in a few years. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, I do miss the, I think last year during the Marvel panel, I went back to my hotel and like <laughs> mixed a drink and just sat and like followed the Marvel panel on Twitter. I was like, this is like being, <laughs> this is just as good. <laughs> But that's I haven't, just been, one to, of the I haven't been to Comic-Con in, in a few years because um, in 2018 and 2019, I, uh, I got like a teaching job that would, that happened right around this time. And so, uh, so I wasn't able to go, which really bummed me out because whether it be Comic-Con or WonderCon, but certainly a little bit more uh, with Comic-Con just because of the, just the sheer size of it. Uh, yeah, I, I have a very specific, this would happen every year is, you know, I would drive down, check into the hotel and then the, like the very, f- like stepping off the bus or the shuttle or whatever it is uh, to the convention center. And then like the moment you walk in and this is all very lofty and I'm sure a lot of people because they haven't experienced it don't really care that much. And maybe even if they have experienced it, maybe they don't care that much, but there's something about like, okay, I'm inside now. There's going to be three days of this. Uh, and I'm, I'm rarely, uh, more excited, more content and more just generally happy than when I, than like the very first day of Comic-Con. And of course I do it, I tend to do it differently than, than most people. I don't care that much about panels. I go to the ones that, that interest me. I don't care much about like seeing a bunch of celebrities. I just, I, I enjoy the floor. I enjoy the atmosphere. Um, and that is definitely something that I've missed the last several, uh, the last several years, uh, certainly. And that's the thing is if it weren't for, if it weren't for the pandemic, I'd probably be teaching that class again. So I, I wouldn't be able to go again. So I think it's just kind of, I, I think it's just a thing that's in my past at this point, which is, uh, which is unfortunate. Wow. Wait, 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 to bum everybody out. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's not your, it, you know, I mean, you guys, uh, you guys can talk and I'll just reminisce and well, yeah, that's you know, the, the, I'll meet lay, myself if I, if I start crying and <laughs> to lay out what, I mean, this is just going to be a loose episode of us talking about our favorite, f- favorite Comic-Con memories together and, and separately. Um, I mentioned that I met Ryan for the first time at the 2010 uh, uh, convention, which is weird because I think we already knew each other through the internet during the tw- 2009 convention. I remember tweeting with you d- at Comic-Con 2009, but didn't actually meet you in person until the next year. Yeah, that was when we had first started doing the Criterion cast was back in 2009. And I went that year, which was like that month that we had launched the podcast. But uh, I had tweeted at you something about one of the panels that was going on just because I had been listening to your show long before we started the criterion cast and i knew that like i wanted to become friends with you and i didn't realize that you were at comic-con that year and so like it was i think it was either like the last day or right afterwards and i tweeted something at you and you tweeted back at me and then you mentioned something about me on the podcast and then it was like oh my god this is amazing david Bax, he's my hero <laughs> Uh, well, you are kind of my hero because you're like the, uh, the only, maybe the only person that I know personally who has been to more Comic Cons than I have. Like I said, <laughs> I've been to 14. When I met you in 2010, that was my fifth. But how many have you been to, Ryan? Well, this would have been my 29th time going to Comic Con. I started back in 92, um, and I've gone every year since then. Uh, I have. There have been years where I haven't gone all four days, but pretty much 
every year since 92, I've been down there in San Diego. Uh, we were going to go back to San Diego anyway, despite the pandemic. But then because of the situation in San Diego, it felt like it would be just, you know, irresponsible of us to go down there uh, and expose, you know, our family to anything that we might be getting on the plane or. Uh, yeah, or, well, luckily things are very quiet and safe in Portland right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is surprisingly quiet here in Portland right now, despite everything that's on the news about what's going on downtown. Like that really is just one little tiny section of Portland that where all the protesters are uh, gathering every night. Um, and despite what you might be seeing on the news, uh, you know, people aren't um, crazy anarchists here in Portland. <laughs> Well, hopefully some of them are. Um, uh, yeah. And the, um, the other thing I was going to say about meeting you uh, in 2010, Ryan, was that that was the first time that I had gone to the convention alone. Like the, in the, the previous four years I'd gone with either my ex-girlfriend or my now wife. Um, and I remember the be being like, uh, weird about like feeling weird about like, am I just going to be like walking around, not talking to people. And then literally preview night like half yeah, an hour we, into being there like i ran into you and and your then criterion cast uh, co-host and i was like oh this is a blast i could totally uh uh do this uh now kate you also went uh alone in 2012 right yeah my first two years i was on my own i was covering uh, the con for my podcast and and the website i was writing for at the time uh but i didn't even have uh i didn't have a smartphone i didn't have twitter the first year that i went so it was a very different experience i looked back at some of my old tweets um because i got a smartphone in twitter like in the months leading up to going in 2013 because i was like I've learned, but I look back at those first tweets, man, don't look at your old tweets. It was, <laughs> oh, like, I know. It, was, it was like, it was just such a different Twitter then. And also how I was using it, but it was like, these look like group texts. Like, it's like, Hey, is anybody going to go to this? And then like, but that was the, the energy for me those first two years. It was great hanging out with, with all you guys at the Dublin Global. Yeah. Um, but I, cause I didn't know anybody else there and I was, I, Younger days, the salad days, I was up at like five every day getting down there because I was, I was staying with a friend um, who lived like half hour bus ride out. So I would get all my stuff in my backpack because I wasn't going to have any place to go. And I would get on the bus and get down there at like 530 and then stay all day long and then go back after hanging out at night. Um, but I didn't know anybody there except for the people that I knew online. So yeah, it's a very different experience for me the first two years. And then my third year going on, and every year until, uh, until this year, I've gone with my sister, Maggie. Um, and it, it's sort of a th like our sisterly bonding thing that we do each year. And it's a really special experience, but yeah, Comic-Con, if you are a person who's comfortable just talking to people, you can make a bunch of friends. Um, you, there are also people you should really stay away from, but there are a <laughs> bunch of people who are friendly and lovely and, and usually the ones who don't want to talk in line will let you know, and then you can find your people somewhere else. Um, one thing I remember about, I guess I'm, I just looked this up and it must've been your second year in my head. It was your, your first. And I remember, cause I've always been impressed Kate with how dedicated you are to covering television and how much television you manage to, to watch. Like I remember like being uh, on your show to talk about cheers. And I was like, Hey, here's 10 episodes of throughout the series. And then also if you have time, here's 10 more. And you were like, you watched like all 20 episodes in preparation for the, uh, but I remember, uh, I guess it would have been 2013. You were watching, 
watching the new season of Orange is the New Black that had just dropped like yeah. while you were in line for panels. And I was like, that is that is commitment. I can't even keep up with podcasts during Comic-Con. Like I, my head is just Comic-Con. I can't do anything else. It was very, it was a very good season. Um, and also there was free Wi-Fi, so that helped. Um, you know, it's been a while since they've had free Wi-Fi at the con, but those were the days, right, guys? Yeah, the... Um mtv teen wolf wi-fi teen wolf wi-fi <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah i definitely missed that the last couple of years have been uh, a pain in the ass uh wi-fi wise or, or just expensive because mm-hmm. yeah. you can you can buy the convention wi-fi but uh when i had to talk about that kind of stuff we're here to talk about happy fun memories so yeah you mentioned dublin square tyler and i used to do a meetup uh uh oh, sorry and ryan tyler and i and ryan and uh and matt uh Matt Patterson used to do a, a joint meetup. Well, that first year that we met in 2010, uh, that was you guys did that meetup at the at the uh, the Tipsy Crow, the, the Tipsy, Tipsy Crow, Crow. yeah, yeah, and, which used to be called the Bitter End. And I think that was also the year, like Rudy was there, I was there, and then I think West even came down yeah. um, just to hang out with everyone. Like I don't, I, can't I think we're if, conflating things. I think when West. When West Anthony came down just to hang out was later when we were at at, I, uh, at Dublin I, Square. He was actually at the convention in 2010. I'm pretty sure he was at the convention in 2010 because yeah. he gave yeah. me a book uh, at that meetup in at, in the Tipsy Crow, like uh, a book that he had just brought down. Like right, uh, no, but I, I, I was saying, yeah, West was there. He didn't. There was a year that he just came. He wasn't at the oh, convention. He just oh, took the train down to gotcha. for the meetup. Okay. But right. 2010, he was at the convention because I remember uh, we were both at the Stan Freeberg uh, panel. Oh, gotcha. Okay. It yeah, th- that is definitely a thing though. Like my years at Comic, my memories of Comic Con, they mix together as like it's so hard to pick apart which happened in which year. Oh, that'll be a I, fun game for me to see if I can remember <laughs> throughout the episode. Yeah, that's going to be happen. it's going to be so much fun. Uh, people saying like, <laughs> I said no, a fun game that's for me. Not, there we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, do you guys remember the year that we were down there? And I swear, Tyler, we would have killed for a Denny's. We were wandering around trying to find a place that was open, that had space and had lights on and not too much music so that we could just sit and grab a slice and talk. And it was, I think us, but it was also Emily Vanderwerf. And it was also Sean Coletti who had come in from, I want to say like Vegas or something, who, who wasn't at the con, but just came, came in several hours just to visit. And we were like wandering, trying to find any space that, you know, and Tyler and I were commiserating over. We don't need it to be a bar. It doesn't need booze. It just needs to be open, have seats, and not too loud of music. That's a huge part of the for a lot of people. It's just visiting with people that they normally wouldn't get to see. Um, well, I thought you were going to mention uh, uh, there was a time that it was the. I think it was was it all four of us and Paul Goble. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. were, it was a similar place. We were looking for a place, and we ended up at a place called Wet Willies. It's on uh, my list, That's which is. That place yeah. had good. That place had great French fries. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it's not Wet Willies, and it's called Wet Willies because it's like, like you see throughout New Orleans, it's like a boozy, slushy mm-hmm. place. That's like their their thing. Uh, and it was like you wouldn't have known Comic Con was going on. There, were, it was like largely empty. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, and it's gone. And I know it's gone because um, 
uh, not last year, but the year before, right before Natalie and I were going to meet up with you and, and Maggie, Kate, uh, I was looking for a place to use the bathroom. And then there was, because uh, it was it was like 1030 in the morning or whatever, 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and there was a bar that was open. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to duck in here and use the bathroom. And I remember the restrooms of that place were kind of like in a weird, like curvy hallway. And I remember going like, wait, this is Wet Willie's. I know this men's room. <laughs> uh, so yeah, RIP Wet Willie's, but we had a good time uh, uh, with Goble. Yeah. I'll also mention, because uh, I called my sister up to say, you know, I was prepping, trying to make sure there weren't, weren't any like glaring blind spots that I had forgotten. I was like, so Maggie, what, are, what stands out to you? And she listed a bunch of things that I'm sure we'll get to. Um, but one of the things she mentions, hanging out with David and his super cool wife. Uh, so, yeah. So, I'll, yeah. I'll tell Natalie. Yeah. That's a big part of it though. I mean, yeah. and I remember, you know, Tyler said you haven't been in a while. I remember vividly our last uh, lunch that we had at that barbecue place. Oh and yeah. You were, you were like, why are you carrying a violin? I was like, Hey, <laughs> I'm me. I'm a violin. Of course I'm carrying a violin. This is me. <laughs> But like that, that is for me, increasingly as I return year after year, those are the things that stick with me more than a particular panel. There are certain moments that stand out that are um, connected to the con. Absolutely. But it's the, the, every year I go back, you know, and some of this, I'm curious if you guys have opinions on that. Some of it I think is studios and, and various companies realizing there's less financial return on investment than they thought at a certain point. So there's yeah. fewer stunts now. Mm-hmm. So some of it is that, but I think it's also just after you've been to enough of the same kind of panels, that's not the the part of the experience that connects to you the most. What connects to you most is just the energy of being surrounded by 120,000 people who all are excited to be there and love something and connecting with, with friends and, and contacts that you normally are. You just like, now I guess we're all one Zoom click away, but normally you aren't interacting with it otherwise. Yeah, I mean, you you bring. I always get like defensive about people talking about how like Comic Con so corporate or whatever, and it's like it is if that's what you want out of it, but it is still is what you said, one hundred and twenty plus thousand uh, weirdos um, and my types of weirdos for the most part. Like you said, there's some people to avoid, but um, it it does it it does have that feeling of. Uh, uh, a sanctuary or a utopia of oddballs um, that uh, you can, yeah, you can uh, uh, avoid all the uh, waiting in line to see Robert Downey Jr. or whatever, you know, and hopefully you get a little ticket that you wait in another line to exchange for a t-shirt that 10 years later you sometimes work out in <laughs> or that you turn into a mask as I did with my Cowboys and Aliens t-shirt uh, earlier in quarantine. Um <laughs> Uh, <laughs> the fringe hat uh, oh yeah i should have like brought swag uh i i have like years and years worth of uh, uh badges and i actually i actually recently cleaned up my closet and uh actually threw away a fair amount of comic-con swag uh mm. it, it hurt me to do so but it just that that closet needed to be cleaned out but uh uh yeah i i i, I just that's the, the like what tyler was getting at the number one thing about comic-con for me is uh being around people who have the same things wrong with them that i do <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um yeah it's the the corporate thing i think is interesting because um it's easy for people to say oh it's become too corporate because that's what gets covered 
you know, because, oh, look at these celebrities. They're all on the same stage, whatever it is. Um, but one thing that I was surprised, that I'm consistently surprised by, uh, even though I shouldn't be, is you look at the, you look at the number of panels and like the quote unquote big panels. And I don't just mean Hall H. I mean like the big ticket, like this is going to have some kind of celebrity or something like that. Th those are pretty few and far between. And there are just as many, if not, I'd say actually significantly more um, smaller panels. I'm, I'm often surprised given how movie and TV heavy it has got, uh, it has become. There's still so many panels devoted to comic books. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, for myself who I haven't read comic books in a long time, uh, I'm just like, Oh, well this doesn't necessarily interest me. And there are times when it's like, Oh, why couldn't it be more like this or that or whatever? Uh, but even if it means that there's less stuff for me on principle, I still like it. I still like that. Uh, that this, that the, the, con, the, like comic kind can still be whatever you want it to be. If you want it to be this big corporate uh, event where you see your favorite stars and stuff like that's, that's fine. I won't judge you for that. Uh, you're not going to get to do much uh, except stand in line for a while. Um, but yeah, if you want it to be, if you want it to be a pure comic book convention, you can do that if you want. And that, I've, like, it's so big. There's, there, it's, it reminds me of Disneyland. Like, if you want Disneyland to be like you're hitting all the big rides, then that's fine. Or you could let it be a, a very quaint and oddly relaxing experience if you want it to be that. Like, hanging out in the Enchanted Tiki Room. Uh, <laughs> right. I don't know if they let you hang out all day, but uh, but you can do that if you want. Um, yeah, I've actually, I've considered for years, it's one of those ideas I've never gotten around to actually doing because I end up doing other stuff at Comic-Con, but I've considered doing a Comic-Con where I just go to co comics panels and writing that up for Battleship Retention is like, here's how you can still do Comic-Con about comics. Uh, but just like, yeah, last year, my two, probably my two favorite panels were Chris Ware talking about his new book, Rusty Brown and Eddie Campbell talking about the art from, from, uh, from hell, um, uh, comics panels that were not especially well attended that ended up being my two favorite panels of, of the con. Two of my favorite panels from, it was a couple years back were uh, art during the Holocaust and oh which was an amazing panel. They had a survivor there. Um, it was, it was an amazing panel, amazing experience. And then also a panel specifically about comics for, for blind and people who are people who have trouble with vision. Oh, wow. It was awesome. I, was, I would never have even conceived of that. Uh, fortunately, my sister is smarter than me, and she found that on the, the list of things, and we're like, oh, yeah, we're checking that out. And I will watch that. I will like enjoy that experience at a panel way more than hoping I get in to see a celebrity. And that might not have been the case the first few years that I went, but, you know, with few exceptions, a lot, for me, a lot of the, the big shows, unless, or, or in movies, unless you are passionately devoted to that topic, it's not stuff you haven't seen before. It's not stuff you aren't going to see later. And also, usually, those panels get made available online. It's mm. the, the, the niche topics. Like, there was one last year that was really great about um, disability representation on TV and in movies and in comics, um, where they talked about um, the one whole part of it was talking about Yo-Yo on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., who I had never thought about as a disabled character. Her arms got cut off. And listening to people talk about on the sh like having her be such a central figure on that show um and so joyful and so um 
informed by but not defined by having lost her arms was really uh, moving to me and it, it recontextualized the way the show in a way that it should have for me a long time ago but as an able-bodied person it just hadn't occurred to me and those kinds of panels those kinds of conversations are the ones that i'm not necessarily seeing in my day-to-day -day life that i think uh, as a consumer of pop culture and of television and as you know try someone who really is invested in that part of pop culture it makes me a better critic. It makes me a better viewer. Um, and those are the conversations that I can more easily find at something like like Comic-Con and other conventions. And that reminds me of just uh, sometimes some of my best like panel memories or oddest pa panel memories are the things you end up sitting through because like mm -hmm. you want to see the thing after and you end up like in a fascinating uh i think there was there was one that was about like hobbyists who like make their own action figures uh which uh actually friend of the show dave amiot does right yeah yeah um uh and then the one the other one ever i think this i actually think this was 2012 uh if i remember correctly um and i've talked about the show on this podcast before it was a the 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 panel was about how much should digital comics cost and this shit got heated like people <laughs> like during the q a like people like yelling at panelists and the panel is yelling back uh, uh, uh about the the cost of all of digital comics uh i i, I love uh, those are some of my favorite memories yeah well where I'm did curious. where did they land how how much uh did they i assume I they don't remember wherever they concluded is what it wound up being right I don't remember. Uh, well, I'm because I'm ancient. I'm an old fuddy duddy. I still buy physical comics, so I don't. Right. Uh, I don't know. Although I haven't. Uh, I, well, this is getting off topic, but uh, my comic shop is like open, and I don't like going inside. You know, they were doing like parking lot, like curbside pick, mm -hmm. like pickup, but then they stopped that, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you can just come in now." And so I haven't been in like a while because I don't. Is it, a, is it a masks required uh, yeah, ma situation? Yeah, masks required, and, then, right. and they also have a limit on how many people can be in the store at a time. Between those two things, I feel like that's yeah. a little bit more acceptable. But I guess I wish they still had, like, I wish they would still offer the option sure. of, like, we'll run about to your car, which is what they were doing. Sure. Uh, all right. Kate, I, Kate I, uh, I, I interrupted you. What were, what were you saying? Oh, no, it's fine. I was just going to ask if you guys, like, because we were talking about, like, the niche experiences at Comic-Con and also the scope of it, right? Which that Comic-Con documentary does such a good job of, if people have seen it, of, of really yeah. tracking. There are, like, there's the cosplay route you can go. There's the educational route. There's the children's programming. There's so many different ways you can do a completely full con um and and have a never have an empty moment if you want um but i'm curious do you guys have any of those big ticket moments that do stand out in your memory as some of your favorite comic-con moments yes the yeah. niche things are great but also they lit a viking <laughs> ship on fire in the bay <laughs> i think 2009 was a really great year for like the big hall h stuff 2009 was the year that uh, Hayao Miyazaki came to talk about Ponyo, but mm -hmm. there was like the Friday and Saturday, I think 2009 was also the year I was looking back at tweets and I think was the year where they showed um, previews for district nine. And that was before anyone had seen, I think all that anyone had seen was like, you, you got this teaser trailer that didn't really show you how violent and gory it was going to be. And then I remember reading back through tweets of people saying just like how blown away they were by the footage that they showed in Hall H. Um, but that was also the year where Peter Jackson was coming to talk about the Hobbit and um, James Cameron was there to talk about Avatar. And that just felt like looking back at what was, what people were writing about. I feel like that was like a big kind of Hall H year that might've even been like a, 
a twilight year also um but you know after that i feel like the, the hall h panels got like progressively lamer uh yeah i you mentioned footage like seeing footage from movies that used to be one of the special things about hall h and now i just feel like they just cut together a different version of the trailer it's like an exclusive trailer but i like it's not as fun as like seeing a full like hey we're going to show you this clip of the movie that like is was way more i remember seeing um haywire they showed the whole gina carano Mm. uh is it um fast yeah they showed that entire fight scene and it was so great got me so excited uh for haywire that same year uh the movie uh the james gunn movie super they showed the whole uh uh scene outside the movie theater when he like splits that guy's forehead up with a wrench uh yeah now and yeah that's part part of why i stopped I stopped going to Hall H because I didn't want to wait. I think 2012 was the last time I waited a long time to get into Hall H. And that was when they did the uh, Batman versus Superman reveal that got leaked online like 30 minutes before. They, like everyone in line, or not everyone in line, but a bunch of us in line, like in line for Hall H knew like, oh, they're announcing Batman versus Superman, uh, uh, which they clearly did not intend for us to know going in. Hmm. Um, but that was probably the last year that I, that I waited in line because it's, uh, uh, it's not the, the wait, the wait has gotten longer. And also the stuff is not worth the wait anymore unless you're just there to see celebrities. But 2010 was a big year for the things that I mentioned, but also, uh, my wife and I were in hall H when that dude got stabbed. Um, actually, actually I'll tell that whole story. So I was in the bathroom when it happened and then like I, was having because everyone was standing up when i came out of the bathroom i was having trouble finding my seat and getting back to my seat i finally get back to my wife and i was like what happened and she had like heard something i, I don't know what we knew at the time but then like nothing was like they were just delaying the next panel which i think was paul if i remember correctly uh was the panel um uh, after and they were delaying the panel and so i was like all right i'm gonna go get a snack from the the lobby or whatever so i go get my snack and i come back and suddenly now they're like carting the guy out and they're not letting anybody in they're like we're not gonna let you in we can't tell you when you're gonna get in and i was like oh, okay and then i just waited for the security person to turn around and i ran past her and got back to my seat with my nachos and my coke or whatever uh um, that was that was the year of cowboys and aliens wasn't it when they brought in harrison ford in handcuffs in handcuffs and, yeah and everyone was and it was you know like the, the big joke was that he was <laughs> involved yeah 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 that was yeah that was 2010 uh and that was because that was a big yeah so i mean paul notwithstanding paul i'm sure was a fun panel but it turned out to be a pretty shitty movie that was the name of that movie right the alien movie yeah Yeah. uh didn't care for that movie cowboys and aliens never actually saw but it was a good panel but that was also (laughs) where they um officially announced joss whedon was directing avengers uh it had I think he had announced it at a different panel earlier in the convention that year, but they officially announced Joss Whedon was, was directing Avengers. They brought out the entire Avengers cast and that was the announcement of Mark Ruffalo replacing yeah. uh, Edward Norton. And that all happened uh, after that guy got stabbed. Yeah. Uh, that guy getting stabbed was just the, uh, uh, the undercard to uh, Mark Ruffalo. It's the Hulk. Can we take a second to appreciate that we can say that guy getting stabbed and we all know what we're talking about because (laughs) (laughs) in the recent history, at least of Comic-Con, there's been one physical violent inter like altercation 
that at least that I've heard about. I'm sure there are some yeah. small scale things that happen, but like that's pretty impressive with that many thousands of people in very small space. Uh, yeah. And for those who don't know, somebody stabbed somebody with a pen fighting over a seat at a, I think it was like a Robert Downey Jr. thing, right? I mean, it was, I think it was, they were there for the Avengers that night, I'm sure. For, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I got stabbed. That's the stabbing thing with with, with a pen. Lots of fake giant swords walking around. Like they didn't, Comic Con didn't get rid of all the cosplay when that happened. They've, (laughs) they've, it's impressive that they've managed to keep it as secure as they have. You know, with this many people and often running on very little sleep. Yeah, yeah. Um, Another. uh, No, go ahead. I was just going to say another panel that um, was kind of a thing where they showed a clip of a movie where no one had no one knew anything about it but it was like you know way more than just the trailer was i think it was 2006 and there was a panel whatever studio ended up putting out children of men they had a panel and it wasn't advertised as like oh this is the panel on children of men because no one knew what that movie was at the time but it was like uh alfonso cron was there and guillermo del toro was there and they were just talking to each other about children of men and then they showed one of the long um sequences where uh you know where where it's like like a war zone um and it was just that was one of uh, another like fond memory of being at hall h and being shown something that like no one there, there was no buzz about and it might be because it was you know pre-social media where the buzz hadn't like uh it was harder to find buzz on stuff like this but that was just another like amazing moment of of hall age you know like wow. exposing something like really small that uh would later go on to you know become uh huge that was my first con and i was not uh not at that panel but uh that's a uh I'm kicking myself now retroactively for not going to that <laughs> back in 2006 when it was when i didn't i didn't know into my first convention i just went down for one day uh because i had like scored a pass off of somebody and i didn't really know how to do it right um and i mostly just walked the floor uh and then went out and enjoyed the the gas lamp which is uh as much a part of the convention as uh as anything else is 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 hanging out in the in the evenings or just in the middle of the day going to take a break um and having favorite eateries that suddenly disappear Uh, (laughs) there used to be an australian place uh called bondi uh that i that i loved it just one one year you come back and it's not there anymore um and then, uh, but the tin fish will always be there, uh, and, uh, and, and other such. I don't know. Do you guys have any favorite eateries that you always always visit? Oh yes, I can list them. I have so many <laughs> because, like, again, like I said, I've got a, a list of really amazing Comic Con experiences that I hope we'll get to. Okay, but over time. Like the food is a, a bigger and bigger part of my sister and I's con experience. We have we have really upped our brunch game. So we've we're we're on a budget. So we do a big breakfast and then we do a small lunch and we go really cheap for dinner. And uh, Breakfast Republic, shout out to their breakfast mac and cheese, which is amazing um, and huge. So split it with someone, but also not heavy. How do you make breakfast mac and cheese? But it's not heavy. They found a way. Also, pancake flights insanely good there's this other place called it's like it's like pier 51 or catch 52 or something like that um it's a turkish place and they have an absolutely insane uh thanksgiving bread pudding breakfast dish insane turkey cranberries eggs it's like it's really really good um what else i we always get breakfast with a couple different people over the con there is um uh you guys do sushi every year 
Yeah. Uh, um, although our, the place that we liked was called Dragon's Den and has been closed for years now. Uh, is that what it, what it was called, Ryan? Dragon's Den? Mm, uh, that sounds close, but I don't know uh, if that's exactly what it was called. But it was right around the corner from the, the ballpark. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and now we go to, I think it's called, is it Blue Moon Sushi or Full Moon mm. Sushi? And it's like... Full Moon sounds right. Full Moon. It's it's sushi. It's good, but it doesn't have that uh, yeah. kind of fratty ballpark atmosphere that <laughs> Dragon's Den did that always was kind of fun for me. Yeah. Was was Dragon's Den the one with that like we would eat on the patio. Yeah. 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 Okay. All right. Yeah. That place. Okay. Look, I know you're all going to make fun of me for ordering this at a sushi place, but they had shockingly good chicken tenders. Hey, I rely <laughs> on your chicken tender reports because yeah. I'm also a fan of the chicken tenders and I appreciate the detail you bring to them because other people do not appreciate and understand there is a range of what chicken tenders can be. And oh, when yeah. it's done right, it is a delicious thing. I agree with you. It's, I mean, absolutely. And, uh, that is, I'm sad to say, I'm sad to hear that they, uh, that they closed up, closed up shop. Uh, we could guys, you know, what's that? We did what we could. Yeah, Uh, we seriously did. I mean, yeah, once a year, it was not enough to keep them in business somehow. (laughs) Um, I'm glad, uh, uh, oh, I was going to say, Kate, I'm glad that you're s- glad for you that you seem to be so good at planning your meals. I'm, uh, uh, I'm more spur of the moment while I'm at, while I'm at Comic-Con, which is weird. Cause I'm tend to be kind of a planner in, in, in real life outside mm-hmm. of Comic-Con. Uh, and that's how I end up at a place. I'm, uh, uh, I remember one year, uh, Kyle Anderson from Nerdist and I went to, there's a place that's right outside the convention center on, on fifth. Uh, it's called like funky Garcia's or whatever. And it's like, a mexican seafood place and like i ordered like a big bucket of crab legs and then like two minutes into the meal i'm like what am i doing like i didn't i didn't need all of this i think i left a lot of uneaten crab legs on that table that night it's so hard to plan though because you if even if you do have a plan for what you're gonna where you're gonna eat you you get there and it's packed or there's a huge line you're like i don't i don't have time to wait in this line before my next panel so i have to go find something uh outside of this outside of my comfort zone and go you know get something quick so that i can get back to the convention in time um, yeah during the day it's just uh, it's like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna leave the convention set like to go eat is now gonna be like a 90 minute uh, uh yeah. situation and so it's just like i guess i'll get another fucking hot dog uh yeah. like in the but actual convention I mean, center uh, i mean i know the tin fish is crazier since nbc started taking it over every year but it's still it's it's right there and the service is fast if you can get a place to sit that's often the difficult part but the tin fish is my recommendation for i don't want to eat convention food but i just want to dash out and get something um now i want to get to kate's uh list because she's more organized than the rest of us and made a physical <laughs> list and i don't want to leave anything behind but um uh your the idea of waiting in line for a restaurant reminded me of one of my greatest comic-con regrets which was i think two years ago um in honor of the 25th anniversary of demolition man uh they took over a fancy restaurant and turned it into the fancy taco bell from demolition man and it was like it took it was like a two and a half hour wait to get in and i decided not to do it and in retrospect i'm like I should have done that. I, I should have gone to the fancy Taco Bell. Yeah. Cause that's one that you wouldn't, it's, it's almost like many years ago uh, when uh, 
they turned like seven elevens into quickie Mart uh, to tie into the, the Simpsons movie. And I went into one of them and it's just like, yeah, it's a seven 11, but it's, you know, slightly rebranded. I'm like, I'm, I'm glad I did this. Cause this isn't going to happen again. Uh, just to, just to see it. And yeah, you didn't uh, have to yeah. wait two and a half hours though. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Uh, well, but that's the whole point of comic-con, right? That those, that's the highlight of comic-con is a, finding a unique experience. And that's when we complain about, the trailers just feeling like the same as everything else. It's because they aren't creating a unique Comic-Con experience. So waiting two and a half hours to have Taco Bell is not the point. Yeah. Being able to like step into the, the demolition man, Taco Bell and share that experience with just a few other people. That's the point. And those are, I mean, to transition here, it's almost like I do this sometimes on my podcast guys. Uh, <laughs> that's what my really centered my list on when I was like trying to reflect back, what are the things that I can just say like one or two, words and my sister and i both go yeah that that was yes comic-con that was a once in a lifetime kind of experience that was a very rare experience um and it could that could only happen because of comic-con um for me it's going to be hard you guys are talking about 2010 it's going to be hard for comic-con to ever top 2016 for for my sister and i because that was the year that we got to go to the world premiere of the of star trek beyond uh which had a they had a you had to wait in line for hours to draw a ticket to maybe get a chance to go and we we ended up getting lucky and we got to go i also got sunburned on the back of my legs from standing in shorts in line in no shade on a blacktop for like three hours it was weeks, weeks of pain but it was worth it because it's not a great movie but seeing (laughs) it seeing the world premiere with the, the cast and creatives all there. Um, Conan O'Brien did stand up to st- open it. It was with a live performance of the score by the San Diego symphony, which uh, I, you know, I know a couple of the musicians in the San Diego symphony and they had fireworks out over the bay. It was an absolutely wow. dazzling experience. Absolutely wonderful. And that was like, that was Wednesday and then our Thursday and with the line was Wednesday. I definitely remember that. And then on Friday, I think it was, my sister and I were in line all day, uh, all, all morning. We got up in the wee hours so that we could get in for the Steven Universe musical panel. And we, as we were headed in, by the way, Kevin Smith and Greg Grunberg stopped by with donuts for the line. And then we headed in and we were up right at the front to watch the cast of Steven Universe put on a, a show. They put on a musical performance of all the songs from their recent musical episode and a bunch of other songs from the show. And how often are you like feet away from really talented Broadway and Grammy and platinum award-winning musicians like Estelle, like that, that, you know, there's a bunch of really uh, talented musicians in that cast as they sing some of your favorite songs and a show that, None of my peers watch. Nobody that I know watches Steven Universe in realsies. Uh, some of my students. But you're was surrounded by people who love it as much as you do. It was an absolutely amazing experience. Was that the year where they made the music video for Stronger Than You? Yes. Like at Comic-Con, or not at Comic-Con, but at like the Horton Plaza. Like, um, I think it was Horton Plaza, like just nearby. Mm-hmm. Uh, I still watch that video every once in a while and tear up because it's so amazing to watch that huge yeah. crowd of and it's like it's such a beautiful song, but also the video like really captures Comic-Con in a way. Cause you can totally tell that that's where it's taking place at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, and Maggie was cosplaying Steven universe every day that, that week too. That was also our year that we did all our cosplaying. It was, you know, we brought, I brought a violin. She brought a ukulele. We were playing music in line from, from the show. Like it was a really specific 
experience. They didn't, the next year they had another Steven Universe panel. I've been to every Steven Universe panel I can go to at the con because um, I love that show. It's a brilliant show if you guys haven't sought it out, anybody listening. But they are not going to do that kind of a musical panel again. It takes too much time and, and prep and money to get all that ready. So that was a unique Comic-Con experience and it may feel very different than Demolition Man taking over a Taco Bell or creating <laughs> right. a Taco Bell. But it's the, same, it's the same concept and that's the stuff that I'm hoping that Comic-Con will start getting and, and the different studios will start getting back to more of next year once in a lifetime type uh, uh, experiences um real quick uh, you made me think of another memory speaking of rebecca sugar and music and ryan you you mentioned tearing up there was a, an adventure time panel one year where rebecca sugar did the marceline song about her dad stealing her french fries <laughs> mm. uh which is a, a cute song but also a very very touching song and i'm like i'm getting emotional now just thinking about it. like i actually like cried at that adventure time panel seeing rebecca sugar singing about marceline's french fries <laughs> <laughs> have you gone to the um Steven Universe or the Cartoon Network has a booth usually set up recently with like karaoke for people oh, yeah, to get we did up that and last sing. Year. Oh, so awesome. Like the last few years they've done it and it's always so much fun. Like, you know, cause those, those aisles where that booth is are just packed with people. It's so hard to walk through, but like, as you walk slowly past it, you can just hear people singing Steven Universe songs and it's so wonderful. But I will say missed opportunity. They don't have a way to, they don't record your performance and there's uh, no way for you to get it. So, and we didn't realize that until after we were done uh, or we would have handed a phone off. I would have yeah. handed a phone off. Yeah, they should, yeah, they should, they should do that. I have so many like photo booth pictures that are like mm-hmm. uh, uh, me, like on the set of some show that lasted one season. I don't remember the name of. What was the show they were promoting just last year with uh, Orlando Bloom, the Amazon show? Oh, uh, and Cara Delevingne with the yeah. guys. Um, I want to say this as we'll see, but yeah, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah, I, yeah, they had like a photo booth there uh, that I, they, Natalie and I have pictures of us <laughs> of us Is there. Carnival this- Row. Oh, yes. that sounds right. Yeah, Carnival Row. Um, uh, yeah, and then um, all right, we'll we'll get uh, back to kate's list in a minute but uh you reminded me of something else uh when we were talking about the idea of that you wait in line a long time sometimes you have a lot of fun waiting in line i remember one year this also would have been 2010 i guess because it was in line for the first ever game of thrones panel um would that have been 20 maybe 2011 then anyway doesn't matter uh the point is that i didn't know anything about game of thrones at this time I was actually in line for the panel before Game of Thrones, which was Ringer, because Sarah mm-hmm. Michelle Gellar was going to be there. <laughs> um, and so I'm standing around with all these like rabid Game of, Game of Thrones fans learning about what Game of Thrones even is. And then uh, very specific uh, people who go to Comic-Con regularly will know about this. Uh, I can't remember what year it started. It's since I started going. It didn't used to be that uh, the, the swag bags you get when you check in are from warner brothers and there's usually like a there's like a dozen different versions you can get of different like warner brothers television shows usually um and you don't get to pick which one you get and so they become like people covet the ones that they want and there's a lot of like trading and i remember this one welsh game of thrones fan was looking at it she was obviously there wasn't a game of thrones bag she was looking for some i don't know a flash bag or something like that uh and we made it our mission like before we get into bottom 20 we're gonna get this girl her bag and so any, every time someone would walk by with the bag that she wanted we were like trying to bargain with them uh to get them get them to switch bags with her uh that was it that's 
yeah, uh, one of my most fun memories when it was just waiting in line for a show, for a panel for a show I never ended up watching, got canceled after one season. I couldn't tell you the names of any of the people I was talking to. Still one of my favorite Comic-Con memories. I have a very fond memory from 2013 of uh, waiting in Because in 2012, I was looking back over my pictures. I was shocked to find out that I did manage to get into so Barbara, no, sorry, Hall H for Supernatural and Doctor Who in 2012. I waited in line for like six hours or something, but I did actually make it in. Um, but in 2013, I was trying to get in and didn't ever manage to do it, but instead spent six or seven hours in line hanging out with Emily Vanderwerf, who I was new writing for the AV club at that time. And, and, and she was one of the people that had, you know, brought me on to the, to the site and just getting to know her a bit over the course of those hours and the, just chatting with the people online was a really wonderful part of my con that year. Like I got to, I, I bought some, some rock, candy off of someone who was cosplaying as heisenberg uh, that that con <laughs> like i i got to get some lunch with with mo ryan that like like those just hanging out with people in line or waiting for a thing to start you know if if you are you know because we cover as press um so if you're over in the press ballroom like area of the, the hotel there's a whole other vibe over there because everybody's just frantically typing and working the whole time um but that can be again some of the most memorable experiences one of, i think it was my first or second year i was waiting in line um for uh hall h i had some extra cash so i went to starbucks when i was going to get uh, some coffee and just was like you know what screw it and i bought 50 bucks worth of uh lattes and breakfast sandwiches and just went back to the line gave the one to the person who was next to in line who had asked me to, to bring her one and then just like watch my stuff watch out the free lattes who wants them <laughs> like you've never seen people more relieved because it was like 6 30 maybe in the morning people had been in line all night um those could be some of the most memorable experiences that's great i i would not have the uh what's the word i'm looking for i'm not i'm not enough of an extrovert <laughs> uh, uh i don't think i can do that but i would, oh. I would, be, I would be one of those people going like i like what she's doing <laughs> yeah well david as you know uh between the two of us i'm the more extroverted and there are and i've made choices at comic-con that you find mystifying but they've allowed for some fun ex uh interactions <laughs> uh because there's as you're walking in uh from i don't know directions but uh if you're walking towards the convention there's often this line of people who have like little uh you know postcards or or uh flyers or flyers or whatever for like their event or whatever. And I thought like, you know what? I have a whole bunch of BP postcards left over. So I'm going to, I'm going to stand there and I'm going to just hand them out and, and just saying like movie podcast battleship, like just like trying to be like full on, like, like step right up kind of thing. Um, and so, as you know, I, I've told this before, but it, it's been a while. There was a guy who came up <laughs> and he said, just in this, just in the, snottiest voice he goes uh it's pronounced it's pronounced potemkin <laughs> like, yeah man I, I know and so uh so i thought that was that was pretty funny and then um and casper van Dien happened to walk by and uh and so i tailored what i was saying to him and i said we talk about all kinds of movies science fiction like starship troopers and you know uh and he looked and smiled and then that was it um and then as a function of there's a, a San Diego-based group um, 
called Geeky Guys for God. It's a Christian group. And I've come to know them pretty well. They go to like Alpha Omega Con and that sort of thing. And uh, every year they, they hand out cold bottles of water to people that are standing out in the sun in line and all that. And so, uh, and it's not necessarily a proselytization thing. They don't really even say anything. They just say, hey, would you like some water? And then there's like a, it, the, the thing is wrapped in like their information if somebody wants to go. And uh, so it's like, okay, I, I'm, I'm in favor of that. I like that. I feel like that's something that can kind of, combat the the yellow signs and so so I, I did that a couple years in a row and uh and i heard uh, i heard people say not to me but they said uh, some nice things as they walked away there was there was somebody who said see that's how you do that and that's what i like to hear so well, that's good what that person is reacting to is that you guys weren't doing what the yellow sign people uh exactly. do which is to set up uh pa systems that sound terrible and <laughs> and shout uh yeah. scold people about jesus from across the street and uh, did, everyone hates the yellow signs i did i i had some more than one lesson postcards and i i went up to one of the yellow signs and i said hey i've got this christian podcast and he didn't seem that he just like kept talking and i was like hey man i'm not yelling at you like <laughs> i just thought you'd be interested in this and so he goes oh all right so he takes it and then we had a conversation and he goes, he's like, you know, we're not against like Comic-Con or what it's doing. And I was like, well, you might want to rethink how you're doing it. Cause everyone here thinks that you're in, you're against this. Like you're, you're not helping anyone. In fact, quite the opposite. Uh, so well, at yeah. least they're at least not as bad as the one year, the Westboro Baptist church uh, uh, did show up at Comic-Con. I can't remember when, when that was, but uh, uh, the yellow signs at least have them beat. Yeah. That, I guess that's, that's a win, but um, there was a sense of like, low bar, but, I, whatever, yeah. whatever that year was at the Westboro Baptist church was there. I was like, comic Con's getting too big. <laughs> 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 We've broken through at this point. If uh, the Fred Phelps people know about us. I do. Um, David, was it comic con or wonder con that you and I went and saw and went and watched uh, the the Han the two ep first two episodes was, of Hannibal that was WonderCon that was WonderCon okay all right yeah yeah I don't know if I've ever seen a TV show pilot at Comic Con where I hadn't Kate you'll be able to uh, address this as a as a big TV fan where you weren't either weren't aware of the show or weren't interested in the show and then saw the pilot at Comic Con and you were like oh this actually looks good I'm not sure that's ever happened to me maybe vampire diaries was better a better pilot than i expected it to be but it didn't lead to me watching the show yeah they they do so many pilot screenings at comic-con um and really the people who are going to be best to speak to that are people who don't get screeners because by the time that they are being screened at comic-con usually tv critics have screeners of them or they know that they will have them in the fall. So you don't go to that panel because there's nothing new there, just the pilot and you, it's either already in your inbox or you, you, you know, you're going to watch it like a couple weeks from then. But um, now I, I don't really get screeners at this point. Um, but the, one of the really exciting things for me about Comic-Con um, is been watching the, the show, the, the con kind of navigate TV and really become just as much a TV con as it is a, a uh, movie and, and comic con. Um, and like going to like looking at the schedule, the first uh, year that they had orphan black and being like, Oh, that's, that's way too small of a room. That's a, that's going to be bad. Or like, you know, like some of these other shows that you get it, even if you are not, if that's not what gets you to watch the show, 
the experience of watching it with the people at Comic-Con, people who are there is a very different experience than if you just watch it at home. It, it'll give you maybe more, um, more of a chance or you'll, you'll give it more of a chance at home because you get, you got a sense of the creatives and their perspective mm -hmm. or because of the experience in the room when you weren't just like sitting at home going like, wait, was this really funny? It's like, yeah, no, it was. Everybody was like, it was, let's, let's stick with this one. Um, but yeah, I've had a few experiences like that. I, I ended up at a, um, a strike back panel for no reason. Um, I like, don't know why. I think I was just like not ready to take the half hour trip back to where I was staying. And so I was like, <laughs> I'm here for a while. And it was an absolute, absolute blast. I've got my issues with the show around its depictions of especially torture as effective uh, interrogation uh. techniques in the military. Um, or they aren't military at a certain point. They're mercenaries. But Point being, it's an awesome show. It's really, really fun if you're into action. And that panel was a blast. I would not have started the show if it hadn't been for, for the panel. So I've definitely had those experiences. Yeah, I, uh, um, I, I have more memories of shows that I, like, never heard from again that I wish mm -hmm. I could remember. I, like, uh, they're... I'm not even going to remember the names of, of most of them, but I know I was at the human target uh, pilot mm -hmm. uh, screening, uh, which is actually kind of fun, but uh, never, I don't know whatever happened to that show. I'm not sure how much of it even, even aired. Um, I do remember uh, there was a show and I can't remember what it was called. It also didn't like the district, not the district. That was like, a, that was a different show. That was from the early two thousands. Right. But it was something that was like, it kind of uh, uh, related to our current, uh, situation there was like a pandemic where a certain section of the city was completely walled off and I guess Jonathan uh, Nolan was like a producer on the show or something and so complete and this was years ago completely unannounced at the end of this panel he was like by the way I have something else I want to show you and he showed like a Westworld sizzle, sizzle reel and this was like two years before Westworld ended up actually premiering uh, that, that was a, that was a very cool, uh, unexpected. I love those unannounced things. There was, I, I can't remember if any of you were with me at this panel. My wife, my wife was, was with me. Uh, they used to have a panel every year for a movie that never happened, uh, based on the comic book, the goon. Mm -hmm. It was like a, there was a, a Kickstarter and they were always trying to every year there'd be a panel, like here's where we are with the money and with the, the art. And, and they'd show the same sort of like uh, test thing they'd made up and it never ended up happening. But David Fincher was a producer and Paul Giamatti was going to be the voice of, of Frankie. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Clarence. Uh, Clancy Brown. Clancy Brown was going to be the voice of the goon. Uh, and completely unannounced in a tiny, tiny room, David Fincher and Paul Giamatti just walked in the side door and, and did the second half of the, of the panel. Um, uh, I, I, I love those, those unannounced uh, drop-ins. There was one, there was like a, a lost like fan panel, not sponsored by ABC or by lost or anything that Michael Emerson showed up at like uh, uh, un, unannounced and, and did a Q and a, I, I love those kind of drop-ins. Mm -hmm. Definitely. What's else, what else is on your list, Kate? Well, from last year, uh, we went to Galaxy Quest with a live orchestra, and mm. which was a blast. And I don't know if you guys have seen that documentary about <laughs> Galaxy Quest, but they were filming in the lobby for that. So that was that was pretty fun. We saw Sesame Street live at the Horton Grand, uh, which was like 20 people in the in such a small theater. So that was amazing to see them actually like put on a mini episode of Sesame Street like at the convention um we we have a lot of fun doing our ukulele jams so there every year there's a, a ukulele thing where um they just like talk to music stores in the local area and 
borrow a bunch of ukuleles and then they print out cards with like the basic chords and then you can go jam along. So we have, we have a routine of go to, uh, there's a particular, like this is the hotel bar and we, so we get like an app and some drinks and then we go to the ukulele thing all night and uh, for several hours and then we make our way back. You guys are talking about the food thing. See, here's how I've managed. I feel pretty good. And granted I'm coming from a place of privilege, but I feel pretty, pretty good about what we do, which is, you know, we're staying with usually one of my friends. So we get there a day early, we go shopping and we make sure we have salads for lunch every day. <laughs> so we make up, we make up our, our lunches with like an apple and yogurt and uh, protein bars and things so that we don't die of concrete because of all the terrible food the whole time. Um, and very responsible. Again, I wish I had your foresight. I mostly just eat Annie Ann's pretzels <laughs> for lunch. <laughs> Uh, but then that, what that does is that leaves, so like, we'll be like, okay, let's eat. Oh, that's, no, we're not, we're not going to, that would take 90 minutes. Like Tyler said, it just took 30 minutes just to get past the, the trams. No. Um, so that's our, our food situation for lunch usually. Um, but we go then that, that leaves us free and some space in the budget to hit up some of the bars where we just like sit and watch people and then have a drink or two and then go to the, the last thing of the day. So the ukulele, um, thing is not always our jam litter i didn't intend that when i started this. <laughs> i apologize um but it's been super fun um i don't need to apologize the cosplay is always great um the adventure time cartoon or costume balls are always super fun um i have a picture of myself with muppets from 2014 which is very cool there's a picture of me with fozzy bear i mean come on um, and I did get to interview uh, some composers. I stopped doing like the interview roundtable things because um, it just, I saw no point to it after one or two years of doing that. But I did get to interview the Hannibal cast one year, which was really remarkable. Mm. Um, and uh, to, to, I mean, this is true of all people on TV, but they're all just so pretty. It's, <laughs> like everyone on TV, they seem like they're normal pretty and then you see them in person and you're like no you're alien pretty um right. but i i also got to interview a bunch of composers that year and i got to interview brian reitzel who was the composer for hannibal um which was a really really uh, a highlight of my con experiences um uh and there is other you know aspects of that kind of side of things that you, know, you talk to someone who stays in the hotels and does the press stuff they're going to have a totally different con too um mentioned speaking of uh uh, how beautiful celebrities are. I remember, I, I think, I don't know if I'm making, if I'm conflating things in my mind, but I, I, in my memory, the first ever Outlander panel and the last ever Hannibal panel were back to back, if I remember. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, not to get, you know, whatever, but uh, that um, Katrina Balf, uh, I mean, I was already, already a fan of her from the show, but she's uh, uh, just otherworldly. Um, yeah, well, it's weird, right? It's a good experience, I think, for people to have, if especially if you are in any way, like a critic in any way. So like, if you have a podcast, if you have, if you write, that kind of a thing, if you interact with like star presence and personas and that is part of it, like you don't understand that experience until you have it where like, you're like, I'm cool. I'm just, you know, and then, then like for me, it was uh, Carolyn Davernis and that, where I was just like, Oh, Oh, sorry. <laughs> words. Yes. Words. Like, and that's, that's as a straight woman, <laughs> you know, like they're, they're, sometimes you interact, there's just some certain people where you're just like, Oh, you're, you experience the world in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> 
you know, and it's just like, I also think everybody uh, who goes, I, I think it's a good experience for people to have. If you go to Comic-Con, you should at least one year do cosplay at least one time so that you know what it feels like. Uh, Cause it's a very different experience if you are doing cosplay, especially if you are not doing something that um, is like the, the sort of halfway between, which is sort of, sort of become more prevalent, right? Um, like the dress that looks like the R2-D2 thing, right? If you oh, do a right, right, right. cosplay thing, it's a very different experience. Ryan, have you ever cosplayed? I have never cosplayed in all the years <laughs> going there. <laughs> will you ever, do you think, or no? I will definitely not ever do it. I don't have it oh. in me. I, I, I totally appreciate the time and uh, enthusiasm that goes into building, you know, these really intricate, but also like, like you're saying, like the slightly... Um, with a twist kind of uh, cosplay and uh, I love watching it and I don't really I'll sometimes take a picture of one that I think is like really amazing you know like when you see the kids dressed up in a way like the kid as a predator the kid as an alien the kid as something you know like it's just like okay this deserves to be shared with the world (laughs) I've also never cosplayed the one I was I think I remember talking to you Kate about like because I was inspired by you. I was like, I'm going to do it one year. Now I think it's adventure time has been off too long to do it, but I was going to be, uh, uh, what's it, what's, uh, ice King's real name, Simon. Mm-hmm. Is it, I was going to be Simon with the, like the vest and the beard. Cause I was like, okay, those are regular clothes. I just had to like do something with my, with my hair. I wouldn't be too uncomfortable all day, but now I feel like it would be, it'd be weird to do Simon now. No, right? it's no, no not at all. If you, you've I, been to Comic-Con, yeah, you know, know the answer to that question. <laughs> it is full of people dressed up as things that haven't been relevant in decades. But I guess what I'm saying, not only is the show not on, but Simon is like a minor, it's like, it's a different version yeah. of a different character. Like it's, oh, those oh are the no, best. that's... Those are yeah. the best. best. Yes, exactly. Okay. Yes. okay. Here's, so we talked about this with uh, uh, Terrence when he was on. Um, yeah, I've never done cosplay. I don't have really have any intention to for a few reasons. Um, and this actually kind of dictates the way I dress in life, um, which is... <laughs> Uh, if I were to get in an argument with somebody, how do I want to be dressed? (laughs) You know, like I want them to take me seriously in the argument. And so, you know, if somebody like were to cut in line and there I am dressed as the Riddler or something like that, I have to be like, Hey, asshole. And then they're like, you're dressed like the Riddler. I'm not, I'm going to cut him. You know what? I'm going to cut The Riddler's in pretty of... intimidating. I disagree. It's not like I you're dressed like, as like yeah. Kirby from, <laughs> <That's true. laughs> from Nintendo. Well, that would definitely fit my body type a little bit better, but, uh, and which speaks to the, the second thing is I feel like, uh, uh, there aren't a lot of, uh, heroes or villains that, that fit my body type. That doesn't stop other people, but it would stop me. I'm just going to chime in there and say, uh, I feel like as a, as the woman on the panel here, mm-hmm. <clears throat> there are plenty of cosplays that you could do that you would be fine in. There are I, I guess so. options for the people who are not secure in their body, who are, you know, not, uh, n- not male presenting. It's, I think it's one of those things that for me, like the, I mean, obviously Riddler is the character that resonates with me the most that I really love. Uh, but Riddler is always skinny and I would feel wrong. Certainly I wouldn't wear the spandex, but even in a suit, I would just feel wrong. And I would feel like people would judge me. And I feel like they'd be like, he's too fat to be the Riddler. Um, you know, why don't you stick with the penguin or, uh, older Mr. Incredible or something like that, you know? And, uh, so that's, so yeah, I don't want to get in an argument dressed silly and, 
granted, I don't get in, in many arguments, but I guarantee that if something happened, if I was dressed ridiculous, like I used to wear a t-shirt that had the, the tick, uh, just his big smiling face on it. And, uh, and I remember one day I thought I was walking around in Chicago and I thought like, I don't want to be like, I don't want to be the guy who like gets in an argument, which leads to a fist fight. And then I get knocked out, which I undoubtedly would. Uh, and then, uh, and then the cops are like, well, yeah, we're not super surprised the way this turned out based on the guy's attire. Um, but I did, uh, but yeah, I do. Um, you know, if you were to go to Twitter and look up the hashtag Riddler watch, there aren't many, uh, entries and most of them are by me because, uh, if somebody's dressed as the Riddler, I will go and ask if I can take their photo. Uh, and, uh, so I thought like, okay, well, this is on brand and I've told this story before, but I do love it so much. Uh, and this admittedly was at WonderCon, but, um, there was a little kid dressed as the Riddler, great costume like just fully, you know, some of them obviously are going to be a bit, uh, not necessarily half-assed, but like they don't totally go for it. But this one, he's got the hat, he's got the mask, he's got everything. And he's with his mom. So it's like, okay, well, I'll ask his mom, uh, hey, is it okay if I take a photo? She goes, oh, absolutely. And so the kid uh, who's adorable, um, you know, poses with his cane. And then as I'm taking the photo, his mom leans over and says, Oh, he has riddles for you. And I thought, wait, what? And so he pulls out these note cards that he's drawn question marks on the back of, by the way. And he goes, he goes, okay. Okay. Um, what kind of room has no windows and no doors? And I was like, I don't know what kind. And he goes, a mushroom. <laughs> and, and it was the cutest thing ever. It was one of my favorite uh, interactions. But, uh, and it's fun to see, you know, when you decide, like, I'm going to document this one character that you're not going to see a lot of. I mean, of course, you know, Harley Quinn's are a dime a dozen. But, like, but Riddler, you'll see enough that you get to really see like the differences in people's interpretations. And, uh, and that can be a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, so that's, that's been my experience as far as cosplay goes. You mentioned Harley Quinn's. I, I don't, I, I tend to be like, I tend to keep it posy at SDCC, but, uh, the closest I get to judge judging people are like the trendy cosplays. Like I've seen the, all the Heath Ledger, Ledger jokers and sure. then, the Jared Leto jokers and yeah, Harley Quinn's been big, but I am a sucker for gender swap cosplay. Sure. I've seen a, yeah. I've seen a couple I, female Riddlers. Well, I saw a couple who were a female Joker and a male Harley Quinn once. And I, I loved that one. I wish I thought to take pictures like, like you do. Um, but that's a, uh, that's definitely yeah. Gender swap cosplay is a, I'm a big fan of that. Any of anything that's, uh, I mean, you can appreciate the execution and the creativity uh, of any co costume, but anything that is even like a, a twist or like, I love the um, portmanteau cosplays. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Those are always super fun. I've got, a, like, I was going through pictures. I have a bunch of pictures of people's cosplay. One that just literally made me chuckle, laugh out loud again was the woman who came as Sharknado. She had. <laughs> oh, yes. Do you remember this one? I think I saw photos of it online because other people took photos as well. Yeah, and, and, and there, she just had a, a, a headpiece that was like tufts of like cotton and a couple toy um, toy sharks and a shirt that says Sharknado, right? Or, or like the, some promotional thing. And that was it. And it can be anything you want it to be. It can be as elaborate or as, as playful as you want. And it just went like 
it's educational to have that experience of doing cosplay because it gives you a perspective that most of us don't ever have of people who feel like they own you and they own your time and they are entitled yeah. to your space and your body and your time. Um, it's in a way that's eye-opening. You can experience, you can understand it, but experiencing it is different. But also sometimes a little girl says, are you a princess? <laughs> are you, or they're like, will you take a picture with me? And it's a little adorable, like, you know, Supergirl or, or Spider-Man or whatever. And, and they want they want your picture. And it's just, it's an amazing experience. There is, uh, I think I like specificity, which David, by the way, is what you're talking about with the Adventure Time character. Like okay. uh, you've chosen a very specific thing. And so uh, I've seen this guy uh, at both WonderCon and Comic-Con and he's dressed as the Joker when in the 89 Batman as he's uh, dancing through the museum. So he's, he's got like a very specific kind of little baton type cane. He has this weird beret type hat. And then what's more is this guy has uh, a friend who's very large and muscle bound dressed as one of Joker's thugs carrying a boombox <laughs> playing party man by uh, Prince. And so he comes in and he's just dancing around. And I'm like, this is my, this is like a top five, uh, Comic-Con thing um, because it is so specific. It's not merely the, the, the 89 Joker, but it's such a specific Joker that require that for full context requires this whole other thing. And I really, I really loved it. I like, I think I like costumes that can be a fun twist on what, you know, or the costumes that are as close to the thing as you can possibly get. Like I saw somebody dressed as the comic book apocalypse and man, it was astonishing because they weren't trying to do a riff. They tried to f realize this, this hand-drawn character as much in real life as they possibly could. And it really was something to behold. Yes. I mean, sometimes there is just, there's yeah, all the, the creativity, but sometimes there's just the, the skill of, uh, sure. of a really uh, uh, meticulously executed. And I remember 2006, my first ever Comic-Con part of it, it's burn eye memory because it's part of the thing that made me go like i have to keep coming back here is seeing a guy who clearly was wearing like some sort of lifts or whatever dressed as the predator and standing probably seven and a half feet tall and walking into mccormick and schmick to have some a fish dinner or whatever <laughs> <laughs> and being like this place is nuts i gotta i gotta keep coming back here mm -hmm. yeah it's it's always fun it, like if you just like pick a character that you can't imagine somebody ever cosplaying as and then type it into google uh juggernauts of <laughs> juggernauts always a fun one the rancor from uh, return of the jedi is a fun one uh and uh yeah they look not everyone pulls it off but uh but but when they do you're like this is uh, th i don't like it's it's almost like a magic trick it's like i don't even know how you went about starting this much less finishing it uh it's it's pretty amazing hmm. yeah and there's like all kinds. There's a, yeah. I, I was in line next to an inflated, somehow inflated bill from Gravity Falls. Uh, I've been, I've seen like crafted, like um, paper mache situations, uh, 3D printed things, the, uh, costumes that people have clearly stitched mm. really carefully, you know, over like hours and hours. And then just like name tag. <laughs> like uh, one, one time it was, it was, there's a group of people who came as the waiters from Party Down. So oh, that's great. Like the pink bow tie, the white shirts, they had a tray and the one who was cast playing as Lizzie Kaplan just was on her phone the whole time. Right. Uh -huh. Great. Simple, you know, 
very accessible. There's just a, you know, there's a lot of ways you can do it. It's, and you can have a lot of fun. I have a question for you guys. Okay. Like, um, are there any, if you had to name one or two panels or experiences at Comic-Con that, you know, I mean, Dave, you already mentioned one that, that, oh, I wish I had been in there for this. Are there any that you've heard about? You're like, that was amazing. I wish I had been there. Hmm. In years that you went. I, I don't think. I, I certainly know that there are panels that like, I, I don't make it into like, I'm in line. I want to go there, but I don't make it into. Um, and then uh, I usually, I usually forget it shortly thereafter. And it, there have been a, there've been a couple panels that have to do with like psychological analysis of Batman villains. And so I'm like, I, that sounds, it's not merely, Hey, we're talking about villains. It's this deeper thing. Of course, who knows how deep they actually get on the panel, but, um, they probably have a book. <laughs> yeah, undoubtedly. Yes. But you know, I'd be interested in that book. So, um, and, uh, yeah, I didn't, uh, that was one I really wanted to go to and I don't think I was able to make it in. Um, but I think that's, and I think there might have been like a couple of like actual, you know, cartoon network, uh, related things where, f where there's funny people on the panel, whatever it is. Um, but I can't think of anything aside from that, uh, offhand, uh, that well, I really was bummed. I missed out on. I I've become, uh, and I'm sure Ryan, uh, having been to more than twice as many, <laughs> uh, as I have, uh, feels the same way, but I've become like a amateur comic-con historian. And so I like, uh, even though I, I would, you know, we just earlier said that I don't care about the celebrities as much as I used to, but I do like that so-and-so's first appearance at Comic-Con type thing. So I was at Harrison Ford's uh, Cowboys and Aliens. I think Steven Spielberg's first Comic-Con was for Tintin. Is that, uh, Ryan, is that right? Um, that sounds like a, a like a weird bit of trivia that is probably true where you think like oh well, he he must have gone for you know Jurassic Park or for Minority Report or something else like uh, yeah. and then didn't yeah I think I'm pretty sure I was at Steven Spielberg's first appearance so the one that I didn't go to even though I'm not a huge Christopher Nolan fan there was the one year where Paramount didn't say what they were bringing they literally just said like Paramount Pictures and like and it was the notoriously studios stopped doing that because it was very underattended and Christopher Nolan was there for Interstellar and that would have been you know after he after his Batman trilogy the fact that his first ever comic-con appearance was for interstellar uh i feel like would have been a cool thing to have have been at yeah brian do you have any no i don't i mean nothing is really sticking out for me i you know i think that year that i was mentioning like 2009 when there was a lot of cool things happening i think i didn't get into the panel where they were showing avatar and in retrospect i don't really regret it that much uh just because you would we would later go on to have like that preview thing that they did for avatar that year where they showed a bunch of like uh where you could get like free a pass to go to an imax theater and see it anyway it and but at the time it felt like oh i'm missing out on this huge thing um and then afterwards you know you would later go on to see the movie but uh i feel like i am able to if it seems like i'm not getting into a panel that i really want to see i'm able to just disconnect and be like okay i'm gonna go do something else and go find another thing um i think that happens pretty much every year where i i'm waiting in line and i get to the point where it's like they're not letting anyone else in to and it, and it happens in little rooms and it happens in hall age uh and there have been times where i've you know been waiting in line didn't get into it and 
I happened to be standing next to uh, Kirsten Thompson, um, the film critic and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, who is amazing. And I didn't even realize that I was standing right next to her. And this was like the one time she had been to Comic-Con and that was, and I was able to talk to her for a few minutes before we both, you know, went our separate ways because we didn't get into the panel, but that was amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, so I, that was what I remember way more than the, uh, the panel, whatever panel was that I was waiting to get into. Um, yeah, to go back, I, I, I forgot, I, I listed all these people in their first appearances at Comic-Con and I forgot to mention contender for best Comic-Con panel I've ever been to. I think it was 2011. Francis Ford Coppola was there for Twixt. Oh, yes. were, were you there, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, that was an amazing one. In, in Hall H. <laughs> uh, that was, I, I talked about throwing away some, I, uh, some Comic-Con swag recently. I threw away my Edgar Allan Poe face mask from Twixt that I, uh, already regret having thrown that away. But, uh, yeah, so Francis Francis Ford Coppola was at Comic-Con and I don't know if you, what you guys remember about Twixt. It was a movie that came out, but it also, the idea was that he was going to tour with the movie and like be editing it live. So every time you'd see it, it would be a different version of the movie that he'd edited. And so they were showing off this technology and he had Dan Deacon, the, the musician with him and Francis Ford Coppola and Dan Deacon like did an improvised song in which Francis Ford Coppola was chanting the word Nosferatu over and over again. (laughs) Uh, One of the greatest panels I've ever been to. Was Val Kilmer there for that panel too? I I feel like he was there being See, I feel like I wanted to say he did one of those like pre-recorded things. Like they showed a video maybe of him. I can't remember. Uh, I was looking back through old tweets also. And I think there was the year that uh, Terry Gilliam was there uh, for. um, Dr. Parnassus. Yeah. Dr. Parnassus. That was another one that was just like him being goofy and wild. But that was also a weird, like, because it became that panel kind of turned into a Heath Ledger memorial. And it was like, one of those weird, like <laughs> Mad Lib Comic Con things, like Vern Troyer eulogizing yes, Heath Ledger yes, at Comic Con, totally. was like weirdly like touching <laughs> and like not someone I would have turned to to hear his thoughts on Heath Ledger. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's a you know because it's such a staple, right, of the the geek um, pop culture experience, certainly of the summer, and because of usually how everything is filmed. For I mean, I'm talking about TV since that's what I focus on, but uh, where most fall shows have started filming for a couple weeks before Comic-Con. So they have just starting to have things that they can tease Um, when something happens um, and and there's to, to, when something happens in the, the, the geek or nerd world, um, there can be a surprising amount of comfort um, surrounded by other people. So like when someone, someone passes away or, or is sick or other announcements like in that vein are made around that time, it can be actually really cathartic to be surrounded by people that mm. are as affected by that as you are. Um, uh, whereas other, maybe, you know, in your day-to-day life, you would be, so people will be like, oh yeah, I heard about that. That's too bad. And you're like, no, you don't understand. Yeah. I've rewatched this episode so many times. And really, you know, um, so it can be really, uh, really impactful and meaningful. Like I remember uh, when Leonard Nimoy died, there were a bunch of panels uh, looking back on him and his his contributions. There, there, that's uh, like a subset of the um, of the Comic Con sort of panel track that I always appreciate when, when those pop up, especially when it's a, like a more impromptu situation, like you're saying around um, people reflecting on, on uh, Heath Ledger. Yeah. Yeah. One, uh, last year, last year was really good for, for panels. Um, there was a, uh, there were a couple of Stan Lee Memorial 
panels because mm-hmm. I last year would have been the first year since he passed away, right? The first Comic Con since he passed away, I think. Um, uh, yeah, that was that was really great, um, uh, really touching stuff. It also really you reminded me of um, uh, not that this touches the geek community, but Amy Winehouse died like during, while Comic Con was going on. I remember that being so surreal like mm. waiting in line for whatever uh, uh panel i was waiting in line for um and finding out that amy winehouse uh died uh very sad mm-hmm. yeah but back on to back to happier stuff um sorry uh one uh one thing um that uh ryan you'll have things to say about this uh that that's happened less and less over the years is actual movie screenings like oh sure um i mean star trek even star trek beyond was what four years ago um Mm -hmm. uh but i remember uh the one time metallica was at uh comic-con for through the never the panel was running late and i had to leave this is the second time this podcast i'm talking about metallica obviously i'm a fan and i had to leave i had to leave halfway through the metallica panel to run and catch uh the world's end which i yes. saw with you it's on my um, list too <laughs> yeah that was a that was a, a a great time um and i remember like weird stuff used to they used to do I think like like Kate was talking about studios kind of realizing like maybe Comic Con isn't uh, as helpful, but there was a period where they showed all kinds of movies, and I, I remember I didn't go because why would you? But there was a midnight screening of that movie Lawless, where like right. Tom Hardy and Shia LaBeouf were like moonshine. They make, like they showed that at midnight at Comic Con. I, I didn't go because uh, why why would you? But uh, the last like great movie like screenings at comic-con that i uh remember were both the same year i want to say it was 20 no i meant 2016 uh whatever year snowden came out because uh they did like there was a snowden panel at comic-con which is weird enough uh and then they did uh like critics only like middle of the day screening of snowden uh which was not a good movie but uh um you know oliver stone and joseph gordon levitt and uh shailene woodley is that her name yeah um were there and then they did uh remote q a with edward snowden <laughs> um that was like that's and that wasn't even a panel like i said there were probably uh 20 25 people who got to like have that uh experience with edward snowden and then this same convention um maybe the next night uh this is probably not in terms of the quality of the movie, but just like most fun screening I ever went to at Comic-Con was the Blair Witch, because I don't know if you remember the Blair Witch uh, movie, the way they promoted this. It was Lionsgate says, we've got a horror movie. Uh, you can come see it tonight. It's called the woods. And like everyone gets these things that say the woods uh, you get in, in line, they walk you through the uh, Ryan. What's the name of the, the Cineplex there? The, uh, there was the Horton Plaza. There's the mall, but then there was the movie theater that was down. So this, on, like, yeah, this was the mall one. The Horton okay. Plaza is yeah. where this was. And so they walk you through the lobby and they have a big, like huge light up, like stand up lobby sign that says the woods. Right. And then you go in, you start to watch the movie and you start to and like, you watch the movie and you're like, Oh, this has a lot of similarities to the Blair witch. And then over like, Oh shit, this is just a Blair witch movie. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the movie, the title card uh, comes up that says Blair witch you leave the lobby and that, that big, or you leave the, you walk back to the lobby and that big sign, instead of saying the woods now says Blair Witch and you get a Blair Witch t-shirt. It was such like, I hate for I hate being a sucker for marketing, but that was such a perfectly calibrated uh, and executed marketing uh, experience that, uh, and the movie was fine, but um, uh, that was probably the last great like movie going experience I had at Comic-Con. 
I have a few movie going experiences uh, on my list of favorite all time memories. Um, in 1999, they premiered uh, Princess Mononoke there with Neil Gaiman, who came to the screening um, to talk about because he was the one who translated it into English. Mm. And that was just like, that is like burned into my memory of like my probably my like favorite moment at comic-con because we got my brother had managed to get us tickets and at the time i knew that studio ghibli i didn't i wasn't obviously like a lot of americans didn't know a lot about studio ghibli but like i knew that it was a thing and i had seen like clips of princess mononoke on like an anime special on hbo or something is it hadn't come to america yet and it was just still in japan but it was doing you know it was like the biggest movie in japan and being able to see it there have neil gaiman like talk about it um, before and afterwards and answer questions, but then just talk about the process of um, being the one who was, you know, kind of bringing this to Americans was just so special. Um, and then after that, you know, over the years I would go see different movies, but like things like, you know, hanging out with you and Angie and going to see the world's end. Um, yeah. And we got Thai food after. Yeah, and or and then like walking around downtown, hearing like Weezer oh, playing. That's right. A, the three yeah. it was you and I and Angie. After we ate Thai food, we saw the world's end. Ate Thai food, and then Weezer was playing at Petco Park, and we stood on the sidewalk and like yeah, and you kind of enjoyed yeah. Weezer. Yeah. <laughs> um, also, I forgot about that Weezer thing. One year, the the Wolverine, James Mangles Wolverine, played, and I got to hang out with Moises, and we just um, got to go like watch the the Wolverine ha with James Mangold talking about it. And then, you know, like nerd out about it's like film references, uh, within and afterwards. I remember um, saw, I saw you, that was, that might've been the last year that slash film did their annual meetup and you yeah. came straight to the slash film meetup from that screening. And you were like, you were a buzz. <laughs> yeah. it was. <laughs> I, I, I still love that movie, even, you know, despite its flaws. Um, but th th there was one screening that I didn't go to that I still kind of regret not going to that happened around that same time in 2013 um, where Wong Kar Wai came to Comic-Con for the Grandmaster and they showed us a, a preview screening of the Grandmaster uh, where he was there too. I, I, I don't know. I think he was answering questions afterwards, but I know Moises went, um, but I wish, I wish I had gone to that and I just, I don't know why I didn't. I don't remember hearing about that at the time. That's a bummer. Yeah, I wish I had gone to that too. <laughs> well, that takes, I guess I've got a couple wish I had gotten into things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But we should probably have an eye towards wrapping up, but uh, yeah, yeah, I want to hear what else is on your list. Well, this, well, and of course I'm me, so they're musically related, but um, the, the, there's a, well, there's a blanket one of, I always want to go to the women who kick ass panel, but I'm never going to wait and go get into hall H to do that. So I've, that's never going to happen. That's not even on the list. But one year, my friend who I was staying with was like, you should do Hall H on Saturday. You should I just like, you should do Hall H because they had an NDA. <laughs> they couldn't say why. Okay. Uh, and it was because they were doing a Star Wars thing. And then the they walked the whole Hall oh, H yeah. audience over to the, 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 that outside venue that's over there by the bay and had a full a performance of star Wars music and they gave everyone lightsabers and popcorn. <laughs> so that would have been really cool. Um, do you still have the lightsaber and do you still have the popcorn? <laughs> well, of course I did. I, I would have liked to go. I didn't go. Oh, so you didn't I brought, go. I was like, Oh, so you were at Holly. I was like, no, oh, no, no, we don't do, we don't, we don't do Holly. It just takes forever. And she's like, well, yeah, well we played a live concert. Uh, 
it was really cool. And I was like, oh, that's, I'm still on the uptake. Okay. Uh, so that would have been cool. And then one year, uh, I, w- I remember being in, like being in line and then abandoning the Hall H lands on, on a Sunday because I realized I wasn't going to get in. And then finding out later that Kansas had played the Supernatural panel. I just feel like this is amazing. I just, it would have been electrifying. It would have been so fun to be in that room. For those who don't watch Supernatural, uh, they use Carry On My Wayward Son as sort of the theme song of the show, but once every season for their big pre-finale, like previously on. So it's really has a very strong connection with fans of the show. And they came and played it live. And the Supernatural panel is always fun because those those fans are a delight and the cast really knows what they're doing panel-wise. Um, so yeah, that's another one that it would have been really cool to be in. Well, is there anything else on the list? Well, I, Ryan, do you have anything else on your list? As far as things that I missed? Or, or, I or just, I, I just need any yeah. memories well, that you okay. wanted to get to. Yes, definitely. So I okay. feel like we should talk a little bit more about the significance of our meetups over the years and how they, you know, I feel like they were huge for a few years there and they kind of burnt us out a little bit uh, just because we've, you know, we're putting a lot into them and it was like, there's a lot of pressure to like make them fun and talk to everyone. And, um, but I loved going to those meetups, you know, in the years when it was just you guys hosting them and I would go. um, And then, you know, we would all kind of join together with Matt and Dan from the Warner archive and Mm -hmm. more people would come. Um, but you know, meeting people like Mariah or meeting people like, um, you know, Sean from the screencast or Eduardo Victoria, who's just like so awesome. And West, especially like seeing him, um, and not to drop names, but uh, was it our last or our second to last meetup at the bootlegger? Uh, the future Arthur from the tick, uh, Griffin Newman showed up at our, at our meetup. Uh, so, so much fun. And like it, it was always, uh, kind of a, an interesting game to see how we could organize them and advertise and everything and, or get it sponsored by someone, you know, like we right. films, filmstruck would sponsor us. The Warner archive would sponsor us. Um, and I just, you know, it's such a, an awesome memory of comic yeah. for me. I still have so many filmstruck bookmarks. <laughs> me too. <laughs> I still have filmstruck postcards that have like a free code for uh, a, you know, like trial for filmstruck that I'm never going to get. Rid yeah. Of. <laughs> <laughs> well, should we uh, uh, wrap up before we start making each other even sadder uh, about not being a good <laughs> in San Diego this July? <sighs> Shout out to the cat cafe. Okay. The cat cafe. That, yeah. Yeah, that, can, that can be my last thing. I, I mean, yeah, it, shout out to the uh, East Village Tavern and Bowl. Uh, right? That, isn't that the name of the, uh, yeah. the bar slash bowling alley where uh, you and I have spent most Saturday nights uh, of Comic-Con for the last decade? Yeah. Uh, I, hope, I hope that all of San Diego can hold up after this year of not having Comic-Con. Like, I mean, I know it's kind of like a, an ongoing thing to see you know, restaurants closing down throughout this, but I really hope that like next year, if Comic-Con happens, you know, if we're able to have Comic-Con next year, like that, you know, some of these places that we're remembering fondly will, will still be around. Yeah. I know next... that the... oh, not... Ryan, you go ahead. Okay. Well, I was just gonna say, I know that it's... I don't want to like bring everything down, you know, but it's, it's hard not to think about that stuff, but uh, you know, I have, I have hope that things will survive. Um, but it's still, you know, like th- that is a, a potential reality of next year. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for, for being here. <laughs> 
and I do hope to see you guys in, in person in San Diego, uh, in July, 2021. Mm. Um, uh, meanwhile, you can find us at battleshipretention.com. You can email us at davidbattleshipretention.com or tylerbattleshipretention.com. You can follow me, David on Twitter at davypretension. You can follow Tyler on Twitter at Tyler pretension. Tyler, do you have anything to plug? Uh, just the, just the documentary, which, uh, has been around for a while, but if you haven't checked it out, go to faith life TV and uh, watch real redemption, the rise of Christian cinema. So uh, we will go uh, alphabetically uh, by last name. Ryan, do you have anything uh, to plug? I don't really have anything to plug for myself, but if you go to criteriancast.com, you can follow all of the different podcasts that are uh, there these days. We also have a, had a conversation with Adam McGoyan um, on the criterion now show with Aaron West and um, we've been doing some of the Antonioni films uh, in the mainline episodes. Um, if you like the Criterion channel and are always looking for more things to watch on there or to get some guidance on what to watch or what to prioritize that might be leaving, there's a Criterion channel surfing show that's going on uh, there as well. So uh, that, that's it. Okay. Well, people can find me on Twitter at The Televerse, and The Televerse is my weekly TV podcast that I do. Um, so if you're looking for a TV podcast, check it out. Uh, also, we've been doing Streaming in Place, which is a daily podcast while we're all stuck in quarantine. It didn't, I didn't intend for us to be start doing episode 90 on Monday, but that's where we're at. So right now we're doing Avatar The Last Airbender, that, and as we record next Monday is going to be the, the last, uh, Monday and Tuesday are going to be the last episodes of that before we go move on to our next show, but that's been super fun too. So if you are an Avatar fan, you can find that there, theteleverse.org, uh, the uh, um, or just hit me up on Twitter. Well, thank you again for being here. Um, I honestly hope I see you guys again on July 21st, 2021. I had to look up the, <laughs> the start date uh, in San Diego and uh, hope I see some listen. We've met many listeners at, uh, at San Diego Comic-Con over the year, over the years. I hope we see some of them too, but in the meantime, thank you for being here. Okay. Thank you for, thank you for, <laughs> thank you thank for you having us. Having us. Yeah. I mean, it uh, seemed like there was another part of that sentence. Um, uh, Kate yeah, mentioned sorry. earlier in the episode that it was, you know, like a real treat to be on this episode. Uh, I also wanted to say that too, because it's been something like I knew that not being in LA meant that I would probably never be on this podcast unless it was, <laughs> unless things lined up and to be on here is just such a treat. So thank you oh. all for having oh, us. Oh, that's nice. That's so great. Well, thank you uh, again. Thank you at home for listening. And we'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 